0: Hi, this is Karina Gantus, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. It's Karina Gantus, your host for Behind the Pen. Welcome. I hope you are all well. Um, I am a published author with 14 books. I'm an award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber, and I also host the uh, radio show Author Assist on the Artist First Radio Network. And I run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion. Now, today my guest is Rebecca Marsh. Welcome to the show, Rebecca.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here,
0: Rebecca. Okay. okay. So behind the pen is for anyone who holds a pen. It can be an artist illustrator, writer, author, musician, editor, designer, um, tattooist, the list goes
1: on. So, Rebecca, what do you use your pen for? Um, I write novels. Um, I do dramatic fiction um, that are really all about an emotional journey, and I try to bring it to uplifting endings.
0: Nice. When you say dramatic fiction, this is a, a genre that uh, I haven't heard of before. Um, I know dramatic novels of course but actually to have a genre called dramatic fiction. What other genre would your books fit into?
1: Well usually the best fit is women's fiction but I guess I tend to avoid using that term because it makes it sound like you're telling men they shouldn't read it. (laughs) It's not like that name for a genre and what about a contempt? Is it romance? Is there romance in it? Not in my latest book. There is some in a couple of my books, but not. It's never the. Oh, it's never the main story. Uh, suspense. Uh, in a way, um, not, not like uh, what people typically think of maybe as a suspense story. Um, but I do try to always bring questions into the reader's mind that they are looking for the answers to and will, you know, get eventually. But let's take your, the last novel that you've written. If you
0: Explain the story so I can think a bit more about these genres.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well, my latest book is um, Remember the Butterfly, and it's a story about um, the main character's dealing with, um, an ongoing issue with survivor's guilt after having witnessed her sister's murder, but that's kind of more of a background story. That's just part of what plays into her emotional status. Um, the current, the main flowing current story is that she's dealing with, um, infertility and struggling through that. And, um, at the same time, Watching people all around her, of course, have the babies that she can't have. And eventually it becomes a story where another woman's life becomes entwined with that, with the first person's. um, Because of one woman is struggling to have a baby while the other one has a baby that she wants but is unable for circumstances I won't go into because it'll ruin the book unable to care for. Um, and so that's kind of where the the story comes into. And then it eventually becomes um, the struggle being that eventually the one who can't care for the baby is in a position where she's able to, and it, it brings the conflict of who's the baby going to be with. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's... Um doesn't really fit in, in any normal uh, fiction genre, does it? What, is it sold on Amazon? It is. So what's it under on Amazon? What, what's it, what series of genres is it using in? What's it come under as? Um,
1: well, I do put it under women's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it is under, it has some Christian elements to it. So I do put it under some of those genre topics. Um I do put it under psychological because there's the um, the mental survivors' guild and what you Mm -hmm. you know the the mental parts of going through some of these things. Uh,
0: I get it. I'm getting. I'm getting it now. I'm getting the idea now. So you you have the books that you've done already. You published before. Would they fall into Christian
1: um, fiction as well? Um, I would say all except maybe the first one. Um, the first one, I'm not going to say it doesn't have any element of that, but I think it has some things in it that would immediately disqualify it. Mm. the genre because it does have a little bit of language. I never use a lot, but it's, it's, a it's a story that really revolves. It's needed
0: around. it. Mm-hmm.
1: It, well, It revolves around domestic abuse and as I've told oh, people, right, it's difficult to write a mean drunk without a few words.
0: Yes, yeah, so true, so true. And I mean even even without the dialogue from the, the drunk, if you're going to make it as realistic as you can, then just um, describing the abuse is, is enough for using uh, you know strong strong words and, and graphic uh, graphic uh, description. Um, unless you tone it down so people know what's happening but without getting too uh, graphic about it.
1: Well, I try to use as little language as possible but mm-hmm. enough to make it believable. And, you know, it's the same so, thing with the violence. So, you know, what's needed but I don't go into gory details with it.
0: See, so that's, I mean, with me, I've, read, I've done everything from a young adult and and children's book I've done ghost I did ghost writing of a children's book young adult through to erotica and dark romance which has graphic violence and graphic uh, explicit sex so I've done the ball right from one scale right up to the other scale you can't get any worse than the last book I've just published but uh, it was a bestseller so that just goes to show what people want to read um so how many books have you got published at the moment Rebecca
1: um, I have four right now. Four. And how long have you been writing for? Well, I've been writing since I was 12, but I didn't really start writing my first novel until I was, I guess, around 30. Mm.
0: And that's the one that's published now, that's out there now. That was your first, Yes. the one that you said about the domestic uh, abuse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what made you write that book? Uh, everybody puts a bit of themselves in their books, whether it's a main character or some experience they've had goes in their books. Um, it helps make it realistic. It helps closure in some reasons. So what made you write that first book?
1: Um, that's a tough question. I have never experienced that kind of situation, so it's not personal. It's, it's it's very hard for me to put a finger on where that story came from. It had actually been in my head since I was about 18 years old, so I really don't know where it came from. But that,
0: that's, that's the case. When you have that story and it won't leave you, it will not leave you, and it's there for years and years, and you know you've got to sit down sometime and write it just to get it out of your head. Um, it could be this something you're just totally um, um, against and it, you felt really, really strongly about it. And that's the reason why you picked that topic. Not that you've known anyone who's uh, close by who's experienced it. Um, it could be a film you watched that just, you don't even remember it now because it's so long back, but at the time it really affected you and made you think of this tale of your own with your own characters playing that role it's amazing where you can get inspiration from for books
1: yeah yeah that that particular story was almost like having um like if you dumped a puzzle out on a table because the pieces were all there in my head for a long time but I hadn't figured out how to put them all together all together suddenly mm. they just started coming together and that's when I wrote that book did you, did you uh, what, what I do and, and, and many authors do,
0: um, they say, you know, make sure you write so many words a day, but I'm what you call a pantser, I don't plot. And so I write when I'm ready to write and when I'm in the zone. And when you're in the zone, that's when all those pieces come together and you make that jigsaw puzzle and it flows and it's gold. Uh, when you force yourself to write, that's when you end up having a scene there, a scene there, a scene there, and no bridge to bring them together. Um, so are you a panther or a plotter? Uh,
1: probably more of the panther. I do a little plotting in my head, but it never, I'm not an outliner. Exactly,
0: uh, exactly. I'm the plotting sketchy, is all up here.
1: It's amazing outlining.
0: what you can keep. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing what you can keep in your head and, and get it down when the time's right. Wow. So when did you start writing? I mean, we all had, in, you know, imagination as kids and and did uh, stories and made up stories and enjoyed English at school and, and did poetry and what have you. Did you, were you into writing, creative writing when you were younger? Is it something you avoided? Did you do like journalism for the school paper? Anything?
1: Uh, no journalism. I started doing creative writing when i was 12 where i was writing outside of you know any assignments Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't really know what made me do it then it was i I always tell people it was not really a desire so much as a compulsion just something i felt like i needed to do um but i can remember going back earlier because i was a little bit of an odd kid and i didn't make friends real easily so, not to say I didn't have any, but I was sometimes that kid that was wandering around the playground by myself, and I can remember just telling myself stories
0: to keep yourself entertained. I was I was the kid around the playground that um, avoided the bullies because they were after me. I was the one I was the one that was targeted in every school I went to. So, uh, my writing, I. I get a lot of closure from my first books when I was younger and uh, was able to kill off the bullies nice and gruesome and get my own back. Um, do you find you get any closure at all from, from writing? I mean, like I said, there's always a part of ourselves. I mean, you don't have to say what part, but there's always a part of ourselves that go into the book. You know, whether it's something you've experienced or something that's very dear to you, you um, something you you've thought about for a long time it's just there's always something a part of you goes into your story so did you find you 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 found it therapeutic for any reason
1: um in some ways my second book was actually inspired by conversations I'd had with my mother Mm -hmm. Uh, it is not about our family you know the characters are completely Mm -hmm. based on our family but She had had several conversations with me where she was expressing her concern that her children would someday drift apart. And that's really where the idea for that story came from. Um, And then this most current book is probably the closest to my heart because it did, you know, certainly it's not all my story. There's a lot of stuff in there that's not my story at all, but there are Pieces of my story in that one more so than, than any others. of the others. Mm. I think
0: my my first book is more biographical than any of my others, and I've got fourteen now at the moment. Um, but I started I started when I was young, so you have got a bit of catching up to do, Rebecca. <laughs> um, mm. So when when you left school and you went to university, what was it you were studying?
1: I actually never got to that point. I reached, at that point, my focus was more on wanting a family and that sort of thing. And so I ended up leaving after two years and starting a different journey in life. And I didn't come back, I really didn't do much writing for several years. And I came back to it when my daughter started preschool.
0: Um and you had time so on your hands?
1: A little, I mean not much. She only went to part. <laughs> so um, but that was just when that story came really back into my mind in a way where I felt like it's time to write it. Um so yeah, I used that time and um that's when I would write it. It took a long time because I was getting about two hours in a week. And then, <laughs> probably
0: probably about what I'm doing now I only have the weekends to promote my books and do my editing and write the new one um so I've got all that to do the weekends because during the week I work for for my clients promoting their books so I probably have about two hours as well same as you but uh, you, you know you, you get what you can take what you can and uh, I was just talking the other day to some some authors. I was on a um, we were on a, a sprint um, where we were all had like twenty minutes writing and then would say how many words we did and then another twenty minutes on the clock. It's really good because you. I mean, most of the time I do the sprints. I'm actually working. I'm not got a manuscript open. But yesterday I got a manuscript open. But I was telling them that I've been avoiding this book because it scares the hell out of me. Because <laughs> I'm 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 scared to approach it. I've I've been, you know, pushing it away. But it's got to be written because it's the first book of a series of four, and the first book, which is the one that should have been with the um, other books, is a young adult. But the other books are eighteen plus. So you can't have a box set with a young adult and then eighteen plus stories so I have to write the same story 18 plus but I haven't unfortunately I've gone totally the wrong route I started writing it thinking oh I'll just copy this manuscript put a bit of violence a bit of uh, sex in it and then we'll call it 18 but I didn't after two pages I started writing a brand new story with the same characters but totally totally different beginning and I've really gone and, and messed it up because now, like I said, I'm avoiding it. I know it's got to be written. But I'm avoiding it. I don't, it's never happened before. In, in all my writing career of, of being scared of a book, but it happens on it's, it's so strange. It happens. It's like, you know, it's got to be written, you know, you've got to open that manuscript, you don't want to. <laughs> it's going to be a brilliant book when it's finished. I know it will. But the point is getting it finished and I don't know where to go with it yet because I can't go back to the way I've started it now. I can't go back to how the young adult and use that storyline because it just will not mesh. So, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you might come across that later on that uh, there's a book that uh, you know you have to write, but you just can't, you're avoiding it for, for some reason. So what's next for you? I mean, what are you working on now? You've got four books published.
1: Um, well, right now, I'm actually working on the, my first ever sequel, which will be a sequel to my third book. Ah.
0: And did you did you know when you finished the third book, there was going to be a sequel?
1: No, I didn't. Um, the characters just, came
0: knocking one night.
1: <laughs> I, get, I don't know where exactly. I just think um, you always hear people telling you that you should write a series, write a series. and. Um, yeah anyway well you hear that a lot and so I was just kind of thinking about it well would any of my books even could I even do that you know because I I mean the kind of stories that I write for the most part when they're finished they're finished they're tied
0: up with a nice little ribbon and finished
1: nowhere really to go with that Mm. as I thought about it this one was the only one that I felt like I could maybe do that with it's got a setting that's totally made up so it's a, it takes place on a fi- fictional island so that cool. gives me room to you know make my own world so to speak in a very yeah. realistic way but still, yeah no
0: fantasy yeah
1: not not fantasy at all but um and I think because I had that sort of fictional community it's a small town you know one town island small community kind of thing so it felt like there was more room to expand on that. but I actually did bring in a totally new character for the main character in the second book oh cool and other characters are still there and they have their parts but
0: but he he, he had to be did, did you have him like sort of come into your head and say hey uh, my name's Jake and you've got to write about <laughs> me and this is my story
1: I don't know exactly where, where the idea came from. It's actually the new main character is a 12 year old girl who is the granddaughter of a minor character from the first book. Um,
0: and it's her story. Yeah. Wonderful. So um, how far are you into that now? What sort of percentage are you in your first draft?
1: oh i'm so not good at knowing that but um i'm getting close to the end you're getting Uh, close to the first draft end at the end of the book for your first um i think i'm at almost sixty thousand words now that's cool um i'm hoping i can stretch it out to around 70 but i don't know if that's going to happen or not we'll see i'm never good at, at anticipating that so
0: no, I mean I've said this before with other authors. When we start work, we don't know how long this story is going to be. It could be a short story, could be novella. When it finishes, it finishes. So until you finish telling the story of that character, we don't know how long it's going to be. But I mean, sixty is up to the start of the novel length anyway. So you've passed that. So
1: yeah. So yeah, keep- are you? But- Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's long enough to be novel length. I'm just, you know, it's not quite finished. I've wrapped up a couple of the supporting stories and I'm just got to work out the...
0: the ending story. for her. She's going to have a happy ending.
1: Yes, they always do it in some form or fashion. Although in my in my last book that I published, there is a happy ending, but it's the kind of story where... I'll just say the happy ending for one person is a long time coming because Mm -hmm. it's kind of a story where everybody can't win, at least not right away. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's good because, I mean, you have these fluffy romances, you know, that have the happy, you know, happily ever after, but that's not realistic. That's not life. And I think you write the same as me. We want to have a storyline that people can. Uh, relate to. People can um, see it happening in real life and, of, of course, have a satisfying ending. But again, it doesn't have to be a happy ever after to end a novel, you know. It can be, oh, well, I'm stuck with him. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll make the most of it.
1: <laughs> well, all of my books have come to some sort of an uplifting ending. Um, but as you said, sometimes not everything can be worked out perfectly. You know, there's some, you know, sometimes it can be a happy ending, but there's still this thing over here that the person's going to have to deal with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, you don't, you don't have to tie all the ends up. It doesn't mean there's going to be a a, a third book or a sequel. It just, you are just being realistic to how life really is for people. You know, it's not all hearts and candy floss. You know, there's 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 a lot of of stuff goes on in between that. Um, So, when you got your first book published, I'm assuming you're you're an indie author, or are you with a publisher?
1: I'm an indie.
0: Okay. Mm. When you had your first book finished, did you submit it anywhere for agents or publishers, or you went straight away to self-publish?
1: Um, I tried the route with agents, but, and I had a few bites, but nothing Mm -hmm. ever out and it was just kind of exhausting and seemed to go on forever. And, um, I didn't really think self-publishing was for me because I didn't like the idea of doing all of the work. Um, but then I found that there was a writer's guild in my area and for a while I was not able to get to a meeting because things just kept getting in the way and i finally got there and when i sat down and started talking to the people that were you know coming to those meetings and several of them were self published and they started asking me you know cuz i was asking them the questions of well is that really the best thing to do is it a good idea is it what i should mm. do and they asked me what is it you want to get out of this You know, what, what is your goal? And so I had to really think, think about that. And when I thought it through, it was kind of like, well, I guess my goal is that I would like to have this book at least mean something to someone, you know, and it can't do that from inside my computer. So it seemed like at that point, the best thing to do was to just try and get it out there. And, you know, he was always met
0: early on. And you wasn't sucked in by the vanity publishers then. what? So you weren't sucked in by vanity publishing.
1: No, I looked into some of the um, smaller publishers, but I was wary of them because I didn't feel like you knew who to trust. I know there's yeah. some that are that are good. And there are some that are just going to, you know, take your money and run with it.
0: So. I mean, if it's a publisher, unless it's a hybrid publisher, any, a small press um, shouldn't charge you anything to get your, if you've got a contract with a small press, they shouldn't charge you any money. If it's a hybrid, then you're coming in, you're bringing something into the, on the table and they're bringing something on the table. So it's like half and half with the costs um with the big five or a a traditional publishing again um you shouldn't have to pay anything if you're asked to pay to have your book published and we're talking hundreds up to thousands then that's vanity press and you run Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: no you're lucky you didn't get caught. i did but then i was an 18 year old 27 26 years ago and uh a Christian publisher wanted to publish my book and uh, I fell for it and I got burnt, and you learn your lesson. But uh, it's a shame that there's even now, now with so many um, people going straight to indie publishing, there are still those sharks out there that, that grab these people that are desperate to get their book. And one of my new clients, he got caught by um, Author House. I'm sure you've heard of them. <laughs> and uh, if you saw the state of his published book, his ebook and his paperback, they took it. They didn't edit it, they didn't format it. they stuck it together and put it straight out there. I was and, and he had no money. It, they just they just pressed him and pressed him to pay this money for this book. and um, I just felt so sorry for him. I had to get him out the contract. And I did, and I got the files back, and I got the files back. So I've been working on that with uh, another um, uh, publisher. Um, we've been doing it for free because I I just felt so uh, – he's an illustrator. He's an amazing illustrator. And his work needs to get out there, but he was taken advantage of, and I don't do that to people, you know. Um, he wants to pay. For me as a VA, then he'll pay, and I'll work as a VA. But if I'm got no book to to actually promote, then I'm not going to do my do what I've been doing for the month, and then say, right, that's it. I've done my job, finished. You can have your book and and done with. But I uh, know I I got it all put together, and and uh, got help with the formatting, and got someone to do the editing and everyone's done it out of their own back, you know. And that's what's fantastic about the writing community, especially online, that if you need help, it's out there, and all you have to do is ask, and someone will help you. It's not all about this, not, not with the writing community. There's always someone who's uh, who's ready to to lend a helping hand. And I've done it so many times for others that uh, that needed help or needed advice or anything like that. So um, yeah, people are still even nowadays, people are still getting caught by Vanity Press. And it's just so sad and just makes me really angry, Rebecca, because uh, people take advantage of these uh, authors that are desperate to get their work out there. It's, um, did you think that when you published your first book that you do more than one? Or do you think it was like a one hit wonder?
1: No, I actually already had the second book written and the third one started when I
0: published. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you knew it was just you're going streaming ahead because you've got your next book ready to go. That's excellent. So because you self-published, and for those that don't know that listening to the podcast now, um, we're in charge of the editing, finding the professional editing, finding professional formatter, finding someone to do a professional cover. Um, Then we have beta readers, alpha readers, um, ARC readers, and some of them even charge. Um, And then after that, when the book's published, which actually doesn't cost anything to publish a book, um, then we have the marketing and promotion. And if we don't do the marketing and promotion, then no one knows about the book. No one knows who you are, and you don't get any sales. So basically being an independent author because you are indie you are independent everything is up to you but it's also it's your decision on on what you want to do and when you want to do it and what uh, kind of thing you want to go with whereas if you're in a contract you don't get so much leeway or say once they've signed that contract and took your book um what do you think was the hardest thing for you when you first started out um, when it came to um, having your book in your hand and now saying, now what? What do I do?
1: Well, the hardest thing for me then and, and now is the marketing. I'm not good at it. So <laughs> I'm still trying to find my way on that. And I think because I have a hard time with the jumping in with a lot of money, you know, and not knowing whether so i i struggle because i it's hard for me to do that so i tend to be very conservative in what i'll spend on things. yeah and, and I'm, so you know yeah i i i we'll hear you i mean the whole
0: i do i do the the social media consultation i do advertising and marketing and i do va and publish um, and being a published and anything anything to do with uh, getting your name and your book out there um i've been doing it for 27 years and i'm probably one of the cheapest as well out there because i haven't put my price up because i know how much it costs to do actually get the book ready and in your hands published it, it costs a fortune for a fantastic cover it costs a fortune for editors and they are worth their weight in gold they're worth every penny but it does cost a lot of money for editing um So when it comes to trying to find help with a VA, because I have so many books and because I work so many, like 10 hours a day for my clients, I don't have time to promote my own work. So I've been around Facebook and everywhere and looked at these PAs and VAs and I've hired a few of very well-known names and none of them have delivered. And that scares me because That puts me in a bad light because I do deliver and I've never let anyone down and they get what they pay for. But when there are people out there that are known as PAs and VAs around the social media um, platforms and actually don't deliver, I was I was shocked. I mean, some uh, when I find uh, when I got a quote, I got a quote and I said, um, I need some help. uh, uh, Just a weekend of just um, promoting the book. It's just come out. I need a weekend of promotion. What are you charging? And when they told me, I said, I don't even charge that. So how can I pay you that when I don't even charge that to my own clients? You know, I'm like, God, how can you? How do you find clients? How, how do you actually make any money from this business when you're charging so much? And then I made the mistake once with my, my client. Um, I felt like we'd gone as far as we could as, as a working um, partnership. And I wanted to take a month off for him to work with someone else and see what they can do differently to what I've done for him. And unfortunately, again, we we paid for the month service and he didn't get anything that it was on promised this list of everything this person was supposed to do and didn't get anything. And I said, you've got to demand your money back, you know, so I, whether he got his money back, I don't know. I'm still with him. We've been together for 10 years now. And my my first ever client when I started 15 years ago is still with me. Um, well, what, what I do for, the, for these people, the reason I work full time for them in all these years is because they're constantly writing and publishing books. They've just got no time to market themselves. But for the authors that have a few books out and are, are writing, but they have time, then I want to do one on one with them. I want to show them how to market and how to promote themselves so they never have to pay someone to do it again. The whole point of author assist for me was to teach as many authors as I could everything that I've learned in the 27 years. You know, yeah. it's it, it's so sad when you have these books and nobody's seen them and nobody knows who you are and you're not getting those spikes on Amazon if they're on Amazon or wherever. And, and that is so disheartening for an author. Um, whether you get sales or not, if, if you're going to write, you're going to write. You carry on. You will carry on writing you'll carry on publishing the books whether you're making any money or not it's just something that you have to do is is there's just, just no getting away from it you wouldn't sleep otherwise they'd be shouting at you and screaming at you to to get writing down that book um <laughs> but uh, yeah I I totally understand where the fear comes from for for thinking about asking for help from somebody but um and unless you you learn how to do it yourself you know i mean being on a podcast now you, you're putting yourself forward no one's ever heard of your books no one's ever heard of rebecca marsh and now you're finding a whole new audience and, and that's the way to do it and you've you've took that step so now you need to take more of those steps you know more podcasts um take um have a go at some of these panels where you talk about your writing, you talk about um, world building and everything. You know, be be a panelist on one of those Zoom meetings. Um, go on the radio and, and talk about your books. Um, if you if you can't do um, if you can't do outside sales, you know, on the cons and that, um, then you're selling yourself on social media and I don't mean put a link and put a blurb and put your cover and throw the post out there and hope someone clicks on it and buys it. What people want to see, because there's just so much fish out there in this this big sea, there's not much sea left. And so you need to stand out above all the other little fishes. And to do that, you've got to think out of the box. You've got to give this potential reader, a new fan, hopefully of your books, something that's going to make them click on that link and go and find out and read your reviews. And by doing that, they want to see that you can write. And so the first thing they're going to want is to see an excerpt, put a little excerpt up, a few paragraphs even. That's all you need on a post so people can see your style of writing and see that you're not you know, you're not giving them a load of balls that you can actually write and you are an actual author and it's worth spending their money on your book. Do um, a character. Be be a character and and either make up your own little interview with your character or introduce yourself as that character from the book. Just, Just one little post, just playing that character. And there's something different. It's something people haven't seen before and something that's going to catch the eye of a potential reader. It's it's little things like that, Rebecca, that will really work. Okay. That's some um, some little marketing tips there for you.
1: <laughs> I'll always take the tips. <laughs>
0: um, but, um, yeah, four, four books going into five, and that's, that's really good. That's really really good
1: how are you on social media what platforms are you on um i have a facebook page and i have a twitter page um i really haven't expanded beyond that in in my website um i thought about going with another one it's just i have such a hard time keeping up with the ones that i've got i don't know um my facebook page right now is mostly people who have read my books although not entirely i've definitely got some other authors and stuff that are on there but i found that with twitter it's turned out to be mostly a networking kind of thing with authors and bloggers and stuff like that well that's
0: Um, good because i i find twitter a dump and run place that There's hardly any uh, networking going on on Twitter. It's just like you, you put your post on, you run, and you hope someone sees it when it scrolls down so fast.
1: <laughs> well, I found a lot of book bloggers that way. Um, that's good. Yeah, so that's, it's been helpful in that right. Mm. Do, you think, do you think
0: by um, helping other authors and blogging about their books on your website is helping you with your books –
1: I don't really do the blogging. I do, you know, get, um, not really guest post exactly. I do more, um, just my featured author posts that I put on, on both of my social media, um, where I just, it's, it's pretty simple. I don't do a big thing with it, but I just have them give me a very short, um, description of what they write, um, and a graphic of some sort, and the link to their books, and I try to um, just put their books out there for a new audience to see. I mean, you never know whether it's going to go anywhere or not. I mean, you know how how hard it is to get people's attention. So. Yeah, yeah, but
0: I think cross promotion. I don't know if you have a newsletter.
1: I just started one. Oh. Um. Within this last year, like oh, the, good. In the last year, I guess. Um, yeah, Cross promotion
0: have- is is the number one way of getting sales. If you're not doing the cons and the sign ins and stuff, if you, if you think if think of it like um, your book is um, Christian um, women's fiction. And another author does Christian women's fiction. You've got 1,000 subs. They've got 1,000 subs. Now, you're going to give all your book details to them. They're going to give the book details to you. And each of you are going to print it, uh, feature it in your newsletter to a potential audience of 1,000. Times that by four. You've got a potential of up to four thousand people seeing your book for the first time, hearing about you for the first time. I've I, I run I've got two newsletters myself, and I run another four for my clients. And there's no doubt that cross promotions bring in sales. That
1: is, I haven't a done really. A lot of it. I I did bring up another author in one of my newsletters, someone that I know who writes similar books. Um, And I did for this last book, I did a Facebook launch party, which I'm not real impressed with how those have gone so far, (laughs) but for it, I got uh, permission from a couple of other similar authors to give away one of their books as part of that. And then
0: I'm going to return the favor when they are wanting mm. me to. Um. But um, for, for not payment, no payment and getting cross promotions done without having to, to pay for it, you want to go to uh, My Book Cave. Yeah. Um, a website or? It's a My Book Cave is, is a website And uh, you put up a reader magnet and you go with uh, groups of um, uh, authors that will then cross-promote in the newsletter. Uh, My Book Cave also has a group on Facebook where all the people that are doing promos will list their uh, cross-promotions on the group as well, Story Origin is an amazing place for authors, an amazing platform. It has everything from cross-promotion, reader magnets, has beta readers, you can get your books reviewed on there. The, the list goes on and it keeps on building and building. He's an amazing, uh, Ewan uh, Grau, he's an amazing uh, guy and what he's done for the indie community, but that costs money. And uh, I think it's around about, um, it's only $100 for a full year. And if you're doing a newsletter once a month, it's 12 newsletters. But you've got guaranteed you've got guaranteed cross-promotion there because of how many people are joined on with Story Origin. Basically, you go to newsletter swaps and you type in your genre. And everyone who's writes in that genre comes up in a list. And it will say how many subscribers they have, what their books are like, um, how many clicks they have, how many opens they have. And then you decide who you want to cross promote with. And then so you then say, right, I'll go with him. I'll go with him. I'll go with her. You pick your three or four and then they'll look at your book. They'll look at your your um, number of subscribers and links, uh, clicks, and uh, opens, and they'll decide whether or not they want to cross-promote with you. And that all happens automatically on Story Origin. It's an absolutely fantastic uh, place. And like I said, it's not just newsletters and Story Origin uh, does now. It does, you can get your books reviewed for free. You can find your beta readers there for free. Um, I say for free because you pay that, 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 membership fee but um everything else once you pay that membership everything is open on story origin and you need to have an hours uh one-on-one lesson with me to actually learn what that place can do for you because it is so huge it is so big there's so much to show on it um then with the the book cave they have a um the Facebook group that they have, they also have the website. It's really easy to use. Um, have you ever used a reader's magnet? Do you know what a, a lead magnet is?
1: Yeah, I've got a um, short story for free for my um, sign up for my newsletter. That's brilliant. That's, that's the
0: reader magnet. So you can
1: get that uploaded onto
0: my book cave and then any of the cross promotion um, promos that are going on you can use that book to uh, be on this uh, group promotion. And what basically it is, is that you'll be promoting this, uh, um, this special with all three books, and there'll be another maybe 20, 30 authors. that will have one landing page, and all your books, U30, will be On that landing page for people to click on and read for free and of course when they click on it they have to give their email and they know that when they give their email that they're subscribing to that person's newsletter you've got 30 people on that one group that's 30 newsletters your book is going to be in okay that's that's
1: good to know yeah it's try a group promo on book funnel yeah the way that book funnel works because I'm only in the, the lower cost division. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't collect emails for me. Exactly. i putting like the link at the bottom and at the top. And I did that, but I don't think it got me anywhere.
0: Um, it's um, my prolific works um, is another one. That's a bit like um, uh, story origin book funnel and uh, my book cave. And uh, I was with them uh, for oh at least six years, and then they stopped doing the given uh, the your a CV file full of uh, your email subscribers. Now you have to pay for it. I'm like, ah, okay, okay, six years with them, and now they start charging. So my book cave doesn't. That's the only one I know that doesn't. Story Origin is well worth every single penny, and I'll happily go through it with you free of charge to show you how it works if that's what you want to have a go at. Um, but like I said, there's only one cost. There's no um, scales, there's no membership. It's one cost, and everything is open. Uh, but if you didn't want to go that route, then My Book Cave is free, so I'd try that one as well. But that is your best bet for um, for getting sales of your books. While while we're talking about books, and we've got to finish now because we've been well over time, um, why don't you um, tell my listeners uh, what the titles are of your books and where they can find them?
1: Okay. um, Well, my first book is titled When the Storm Ends. Um, The second one is The Rift Between Us. The third is Where Hope is Found. And the latest one is Remember the Butterfly. And they are all available on Amazon. Uh, their paperbacks are also available on my website, but that's probably better for U.S. customers and not so much for people out of the U.S. Because I know the shipping. I had somebody buy one from Canada, and it cost him $17 to ship it. So you know, so it's not the greatest deal for for people out of the country. Yeah
0: so you have you you're not gone wide you actually just are you with the kindle unlimited
1: uh all of my books except the latest one are right now and the reason I haven't put the latest one in yet is because it's still up on net I decided to try give that a go for a month this time I'm not super impressed but did you it, get any reviews a couple and I, there's some people who still have the book and haven't done anything yet and maybe they'll come through I don't know but that's
0: expensive yeah. as well net galley yeah
1: yeah um i tried it through a co-op so it's uh, it's not as high a price as just for a month um giving it a shot but yeah, exactly
0: you give it a try and and if I it know, doesn't work out then you know that. to to not go near it again but uh, yeah. um rebecca thank you so much for being a guest on behind the pen and i wish you uh huge success with your books any more you write and the ones that are out there now we're going to make sure that uh, we're going to get you some uh, new readers and make sure as many people uh, hear about you and your wonderful books as possible
1: all right thank you for having me i really appreciate it